All right, hello and welcome to the Not a Victim podcast. Not a Victim is a show about learning to live a life without excuses. Today's guest is... Heidi Thomas. I always usually say it, but I didn't know her last name this time. Um, Anyway, so um, yes, so go ahead and tell me just a little bit about your background, everything from childhood to adolescence and all that stuff. Okay. As far back as I can remember, I remember I was seven years old. and my parents divorced, and um, I just remember uh, feeling very lonely as a child growing up um, with divorced parents. They had other interests. They were very disengaged. They um, why did they get divorced or um, affairs? I mean, mm-hmm. one had an affair, and then the other one had to try to outdo them and have an affair, and then they tried to reconcile, and it just didn't mm-hmm. work. Of course, I didn't know that then. It's only as an adult that. They have told me that. Mm. Um, so I was seven. So all of that was kind of the norm for me. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized how just messed up that all was. Um, just the whole childhood of having divorced parents. And not only that, but they they both kind of went crazy. And they moved all over the place. So I lived with my mom for a while, my dad for a while. I lived with grandparents. I lived with aunts. I lived with friends. Mm. I was just kind of tossed here, there, and yonder. I never really felt loved or, or even wanted. Um, they had just other interests. They were always pursuing a guy or a girl or whatever. And, um, and obviously that... Um you know, obviously changes the school dynamic too, right? Oh yeah, I went to I went to thirteen different schools growing up, mm. so I was literally always the new girl. And mm. when I was younger, I was pretty timid, and I had all this false guilt about me. Um, looking back, it's like I felt guilty all the time, like people could see my soul and they could see darkness in there, but I had no reason to. Um, mm. It was just, I guess just the stigma of having divorced parents and just the no confidence because I wasn't Mm. cared for and I was just forgotten about. And maybe, like, do you think that maybe you thought that part of why they got divorced was something to do with you or neither of them would say it or something? No, I never really felt that way at all. Because it was pretty clear? It was, was, (laughs) yeah. They, I never, I never, for whatever reason, I never felt that way. But um, I mean, I'm glad you didn't. I'm just saying. Yeah. But then kind of rock along into my teenage years. And then, of course, you know, I started trying to find um, happiness wherever I could find it. So that led to um, alcohol and um, not really any drug use. I think I smoked marijuana a handful of times. Um, but I was very promiscuous. Um, I have lots of boyfriends all the time and I didn't feel complete unless I had a guy by my side and I think that's just stems from not having a father um, figure in my life um, kind of backing up I, I was actually saved when I was seven years old um, I remember walking down the aisle going to the altar and as sincere as a seven-year-old could be I gave my life to the Lord, mm. but my parents divorced, and they were not in church, so I was never taken to church except periodically with a grandparent or, or whatever, and so when I got to my teen years, I didn't have any 
it's like I, I felt like I was saved, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, and so I just, I did whatever felt good at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course I knew right from wrong and I knew it was wrong, but it's like it didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, that was my teen years going into college. I moved away from home to go to college and, and it got worse because I had no curfews. I had no boundaries and it actually got worse. I was a party girl and my sophomore year of college, I actually contracted um, a, a, um, genital warts, a venereal disease, and it took almost a year to get rid of them. And they they say that they could um, hinder getting pregnant or or retaining a pregnancy, um, and I'll get into that later. But um, but anyway, so it was just that was a really 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 tough time. And during that time, it's like I kind of recommitted myself to the Lord and was like, because I was at my lowest, I thought. I thought this was something I was going to live with for the rest of my life and and nobody would want me. Mm. And um, finally got rid of all that. And unfortunately, I went back to the same lifestyle mm. um, because it was like I was through with it. And um, next thing I know, my senior year of college I get pregnant this time and um, kind of a long story short with that um, well we want the long version if possible (laughs) well my my, everybody in my family um, well I say everybody in my family my my mom my dad my aunts um, not my grandmother but my parents and everything they thought that it was in everybody's best interest if I abort the baby and for whatever reason, um, I just knew that that was crossing the line of something that I could ever do, mm. that that was so wrong. And it was the first time that I actually stood up to my mother and was like, rebuked her command or whatever over my life. And I was like, I cannot do that. I, mm. There's just no way. So she's like, well, you're just going to have to do all this by yourself then. So I went through several weeks of thinking it was just me and this baby, basically. Mm-hmm. And I did get some encouragement from my grandmother. And, you know, she was um, kind of a, has always been my rock, to be honest. And so I did get that from her. And um, my mom actually finally came around. And I went to an appointment when I was at my 12-week point, And it was just a... a run of the mill, ultrasound, measure everything, and they did the ultrasound, and there was no heartbeat, and they told me that I had probably miscarried the week before, mm-hmm. and um, I had such a mix of emotions. On one level, I was completely devastated because I had come to accept this life, and um, I, I wanted it, and then the other part of me was like a sigh of relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so Do you it think was you had just, any guilt that you had the relief? Um, oh, yeah. And then there was guilt compounded. There was guilt. I was worried that I did something wrong mm-hmm. to cause it uh, because I did drink up until I found out that I was pregnant. And then I, I stopped all that cold turkey. I wasn't going to do anything to harm that child. But I was so afraid that what I did prior to knowing, you know, killed that baby or mm-hmm. or whatever. And um it, it was, and I, yes, I had tons of guilt. And um, so, you know, went through went through all that. 
um, was completely devastated where it wasn't long after I got through all that. What do I do? Fall into the same lifestyle again. It's like God is trying to get my attention. He's through those stormy trials. He's drawing me to him and I go to him. But then when my life gets back to whatever normal is, I reject everything again. And I go back to the same pattern. And this time I, I met a man in a bar and we ended up um, we ended up getting married and it was just like, all of it was so sudden. It was like, I was so afraid that I just couldn't, I don't know, make, make it without a man. I was so lonely still. And I thought that would fulfill me, even though, um, it, it was not anything godly. It was. You thought maybe it would bring stability of some kind? Yes. Whatever that was. And, um. So that marriage, we were in that marriage four years. It was, it was pretty much terrible. Um, and after four years, he was just like we both were just at each other's throat. It was, there was nothing going into the marriage that we took. Um, I didn't want to be married. He didn't want to be married. He actually filed for divorce, and you know, and then we were divorced. And then kind of fall back into the same and and our party had never stopped my party had never stopped into that marriage and there was some infidelities and you know all that kind of stuff and um but why do you think you kept going back to that do you think that it was just fun so why not do it or do you think it was a way to get away from everything else or both i, I honestly think that i was so completely lonely I didn't know how to reach out to godly friends. I didn't feel like I was worthy of being associated with those kind of people. The only people that I was drawn to were people kind of like me. Mm. And um, I didn't, like, I remember going to church a handful of times um, during that time, and I just felt so dirty and unworthy and all those kind of emotions. I think that's so natural because the higher the standard someone has, like, the more uptight they are, sort of, by definition. Um, it's not totally true, but um, someone in your shoes, someone on the outside looking in, you see someone that is really good person or whatever, and, uh, and you just feel like, I don't know if I'm welcome there. But if you go to people that don't have those standards, there's no question whether you're welcome there or not. Yeah. And I think um, everything... Regardless of how good a person may be or or their life may be, if you use arrogance as a way to protect yourself uh, from people who are on the outside, um, then the goodness on the inside is of no value, really. And uh, but I think that's such a natural emotion to feel to feel that way when, mm-hmm. um, again, maybe you part of you knew that maybe you weren't doing right or whatever or not doing you know, as good as you could. And uh, so it's weird to be around people that um, are acknowledging that or bringing that to light, I guess. Yes. So after the marriage ended, um, I got back into the same lifestyle. Now, granted, at this point, I had graduated college. I had a good career. I had gone back and gotten a master's degree. I was making a living for my... I was, at this point, single. I had a home, a car, 
a good paycheck coming in. You know, I kind of had it together looking at my life from the outside, but on the inside, I was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one day, I was in my backyard at my little house with my little Cocker Spaniel, and I just cried out to the Lord, and I was just like, this is not the life that I dreamed of living. And I committed, recommitted myself to the Lord and asked Him to forgive all the junk and just to, just to do something brand new in me. And I remember thinking, I, I need help because I can't do this alone. And he said, well, you've got to get in a church. You've got, I just remember him saying, go to church, go to church, go to church. And now I realize I needed to be filled with truth. I needed to be around the body of believers for support and encouragement and accountability and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so then I started visiting Freedom Church and, um, fell in love with it. Um, they sang songs that I remember hearing as a child when I walked those, the aisle and got saved and just floods of emotion just came all over me. And I just, the first time I stepped my foot in, in Freedom Church, I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I went to the church for a while and then somebody kind of caught my eye and um, found out he was the preacher's son. And I was like, well, he'll never want me because of all this garbage in my past. Well, I couldn't stop thinking about him. And then I found myself kind of going to church for the wrong reasons. So I stopped going to Freedom, and I found another church to go to. And I went to that church for seven months and then got invited to go back to Freedom Church to see an Easter program. And I saw that that man again and I was like oh my goodness there's something there's something here and I can't put my finger on it but there there's something here so um being the brazen I guess overly confident person I can be at times I actually called him and asked him if he wanted to eat lunch with me and he agreed and um the rest is kind of a fairy tale. <laughs> that man is now my husband. It's mm. Tim Thomas. He is now the pastor, um, the senior pastor of Freedom Church, and um, mm. we um, we got married in the year two thousand. We went on to have three children. Um, I was when I got pregnant the first time. I was so scared that I was going to lose the baby because of the previous miscarriage. I was so afraid that. Some, was going to go wrong because of the genital warts that they were going to come back and it was going to be a problem for the baby all that I was scared to death the entire time Mm. Um, but Jordan came and he was healthy and perfect he was born on September the 8th 2011 excuse me 2001 Mm -hmm. just a few days prior to 9-11 and so when that happened Um, A fear like I have never experienced in my life, it threw me into some postpartum stuff. I was so fearful. I felt like God was getting vengeance on me and that because of my past, um, I mean, the world was going to be destroyed by terrorists and I was going to see my innocent baby perish in Mm -hmm. all of it. So... It was very egotistical to think that all of this going on in the world was about me. 
but that's how I felt. Mm. And it, it put me into great, great fear, and I couldn't enjoy my baby because I was so wrapped up in fear. Mm. And come to find out much later, I'm friends with several women that had babies around that same time, and they experienced some of the same emotions, mm. but nobody talked about it then because it was so crazy. I didn't even t- share anything with Tim. I hid everything. Um, you know, I wanted to be a good mom and a good wife. And so all that junk that I was feeling, I, I hid it. And I'm a pretty good actress because he never really detected it. Hmm. And um, But finally got over all that and went on to have two more healthy children and kind of threw myself into my career for a little while. And then I became a stay-at-home mom felt the Lord leading me to do that, and um, I threw myself just into being busy, and I had still some struggles with my past. I had some strongholds that were just really weighing me down. I knew that I was saved, and I know I knew at this point that I had a Savior, but I did not know what it meant to live in victory, and I was not walking in victory. I was not walking in redemption. I was existing and so heavily weighted down by the guilt of my past. Mm. Have you ever had a season that you thought you would never get out of? And I ask this every time uh, because about eight years ago I went through um, a really heavy uh, breakup. It was the first person I ever really, really liked. And so I didn't know how to do it right or wrong. But because of that... um, it started to take the place of God internally, and I didn't really notice it happening when it was happening, but it was. And um, and so when that ended, then became very codependent. And then when that ended, um, rather than just like being bummed for you know a month or whatever, um, I really um, started going through depression and started becoming after a couple of months started becoming sort of suicidal. And uh, during that time. Um, after a couple months of uh, crying every day at work and hiding it every day. Uh, and like you said, successfully hiding it. No one ever uh, mm-hmm. found out. But but after a while of that, a couple months of that, I just started to feel like, is this what life is now? Um, will it always feel like this? And um, part of me knew that it could definitely change, but part of me felt like I wasn't so sure if uh, if this was the new normal, um, but just ever a season like that, ever a season you thought might not, you might not um, come out of. Oh yeah, I definitely. Because um, no matter how much Bible I read, no many, no matter how much praise and worship that I did, sing and pray, and and I went to counseling. Um, I talked to my husband. Um, no matter what I did, I still had that heaviness about about everything and I thought for sure this 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 is how the rest of my life is going to be and um but there was still something in in the very depths of my spirit I guess um I didn't even know what hope was at that point in my Christian journey but every now and then I would get like an enthusiasm and an excitement that this was not going to be the end, that God has something greater, much greater for me. But I just, I didn't know where it was, when it would be, or anything like that. 
So I, I walked along there, and I and I had some joy and some happiness. But you know, when I laid my pillow, my head on my pillow at night, the shame would come, or the all those negative emotions would kind of flood over me. And um, what do you think? Um, what do you think sort of kept those around when they were around? Um, people used to say that it's so hard to forgive yourself and and there is some truth to that but I think it sometimes it kind of boils down to pride that my sin is so much greater than anybody else's nobody else could possibly understand the depth of sin that I was in um, and and that's certainly not true I mean yeah I I totally feel that um, two things on that because I've thought a lot about this um, when I was going through the season of, of depression, the you know the most um, at the heart of it, I just didn't believe that God loved me. I just thought that was a thing that we said. Um, my dad was a pastor at the time, uh, and uh, so I knew the lingo, and I just knew the whole thing. Um, but I didn't really think. I just didn't believe it. I just really didn't think that. God actually cared whether I lived or died, and um, so I think part of that was because uh, in uh, relationships between humans, your actions and your identity are the same. So if you treat someone a certain way, they immediately uh, couple that with your identity. Your identity to them is is what you do and nothing more. Um, and so there's really... Um, no representative, uh, earthly representative of the, the relationship between a human and God because God separates the being from the doing in a way that no other human does, you know, neither my parents or anyone that, you know, even the people that love me the most, like what I do and who I am are very closely um, combined in a way that um, is a little different from God's point of view. So, um, I think that a lot of problems that I, or um, flaws that I see uh, in my earthly dad, I kind of impose onto God automatically um, and assume that whatever issues I'm dealing with with my dad, um, that God feels the same way. And, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, so, because I know exactly what you're talking about with the, with the sort of pride thing, um, and that... It's a really weird form of self-obsession, mm -hmm. and uh, and there was a time during that season towards the end of it when I really felt like God kind of prompted in my mind and in my heart that, like, if you die today, two weeks from now, no one will care. Everyone will move on. You know, your parents won't and your brother won't, but everyone else, it'll be like a Facebook story, and then everyone just goes about their day like they always did. Um, it's not exactly the same, but it pretty much is. Um, and so that was a watershed moment for me in, a, in one of the most sweetest moments of my life because um, it was a way of saying, if these people are why you're here, then there's not a lot of reasons to be here. But that within my kindness for you and within my um, desire for you, um, your life is a tiny part of a really big story, mm -hmm. a story that goes on whether you live or die. If you die today, 
God's uh, love for humanity will move on just the same. And so I felt a lot of weight uh, come off my shoulders during that moment in, uh, in sort of, it was the first time that I wasn't at the top of the food chain internally. Um, and I think that's because, um, again, I had learned the purely um, actions-driven you know, um, version of Christianity. Um, and there's a lot of great that came from that. It's not a purely bad thing. There's a lot of good that came from that. Um, but, uh, but at the heart of that, I just didn't really believe that God loved me at all or that he loved any of us, and I wasn't sure that he cared. And um, going through the, decision, the season of depression and entering being suicidal and all that, then I really um, needed God, and then I really felt the kindness of God once I needed him. Um, trying to think where to go from here. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... Yeah, just keep going, keep going. Yeah, for me, I mean, it was just, um, you know, and I, like I said, I threw myself into busyness, busyness, because when I was busy, I was numb to all the yucky stuff. And I finally, um, Brother Gary Yance that still attends church here at Freedom and my husband and myself, we got together and he prayed over me like you would not believe. And I believed in that prayer and my husband believed in that prayer. And I had to have some relief. I had to have some assurance of my salvation and assurance that I was worthy and assurance that I was a child of God and that he had good things planned for me and I accepted that prayer and I internalized it and that was my first step in being truly set free and then my husband he was like you've got to own it you've got to stand in the pulpit and you've got to testify and you've got to stomp Satan in the dirt and you've got to portray and you've got to tell this wonderfulness that's happened and I did and because Tim's you know and it's so true he didn't want the enemy to come against me and steal that away from me he wanted me to, to tell it and proclaim it and I did and all that was the first step of my true healing um, since that time um, I mean it's just been it's just been a story of redemption my whole life. And I can go back now. My parents divorced when I was seven. Well, my own children, they're not going to have to go through that. We're in a good, stable, loving home. They, they will not have to go through that. Um, I was lonely so many years. Right now, today, I live with eight other people. I live with my husband, my three children. My mother-in-law lives with us. And we have three foster children that live mm -hmm. with us. I went, I lived back and forth, all over the place, 13 different schools. But I'm giving my children roots in a community, roots in a church, stability in their home. For someone who is going through the, you know, the roughest part right now, um, just what do you, what would you say to the person in those shoes? Don't do it alone. Um, don't even try to hide it. Seek out godly counsel, whether it's a pastor, a Christian counselor, a Christian friend. Um, and Because when you're at your lowest, you can't even pray for yourself. You need to have someone to fill in the gap for you, um, to stand in the gap for you. 
and to don't try to go it alone. Um, and, and don't forget that there's hope. There is hope. At the very lowest, there is hope. And God didn't put you there, but he can certainly transform your life and make it all count for something completely, completely wonderful. And you mm -hmm. can be a huge power for the kingdom of God. Great. Alrighty, we will see y'all next week. Thank you so much. That is it. Yay. to do the right thing.